Thanks for visiting studiolighting.net. You're listening to Light Source. And welcome to episode 11 of Light Source, the official podcast of studiolighting.net. Studiolighting.net introduces photographers to studio and portrait lighting equipment techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer and image inspector with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we have a great interview with uh, Joseph Cartwright at www.cartwright.com is where you can find his information. He is a New York City-based photographer. He's doing a lot of high-profile fashion photography, and he has a very uh, very interesting style, and it's uh, going to be good to hear his experiences and things that he's done and uh, how he chooses to work with models and things like that. So that'll be a great interview coming up later in this episode. Anything new going on with uh, StudioLighting.net, Bill? Yeah, there are a couple things I'd like to mention, I guess. Um, we've added two new sections on the website. You'll see that we have an instructional videos section now and, an, and a book section. And inside the instructional videos section, there's a lot of really great videos. I especially like to point out the ones by Will Crockett from ShootSmarter.com. Have you seen those? Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, I think I watched the uh, Level 1 Digital Portrait series, and uh, it was pretty interesting, especially because I, I like that it, um, he focuses on digital and talks about you know, the differences of lighting for uh, film versus lighting for digital. So, Yeah, they're very good videos. If, uh, if you're just getting into studio lighting and you want a place to start and you're a visual kind of person, this is a really good way of learning sort of the ropes and getting your hands on some good material. So go to studiolighting.net and you'll see it in the menu. Uh, instructional videos, check it out. Also, I wanted to mention that we're looking for volunteers or anyone else who might be interested in doing news articles for us at studiolighting.net, basically keeping on top of um, industry news and new products and things like that for, uh, for the site so that we can, as a community, keep on top of what's going on. So if you're a writer or you're interested in that kind of a thing, just drop us an email at studiolighting at gmail.com. Great. Well, um, let's see. Have you been doing any, any shoots or anything like that, Bill? Uh, let's see. A little well, bit. As, aside from our our <laughs> photo walk we did the other day at lunch. That was a blast. Yeah, we were hanging out, doing some street photography. I think we got a couple of pictures up in the Light Source group from that day, didn't we? Yeah, there's um, a co-worker of mine, Jonathan Smith, uh, from greencracker.com. Uh, he joined us, and um, there's a couple shots that he kind of captured the uh, the scene of the shoot that was actually going on. So yeah, that was kind cool. of a kind of a little multi-dimensional sort of thing going on in a couple of the images. Yeah, it was fun. And we, I mean, as the weather breaks here in, in Pennsylvania, I'm looking forward to a lot more days like that walking around with the cameras. Yeah, definitely. And it's great because we work so close together, we can just pop out for like a half hour at lunch. and Absolutely. If anybody's we'll, in the Harrisburg area, let us know if you want to tag along with us one day. And then we'll we'll take turns dragging people out of the office to, to be on the other side of the camera for us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> One of the things that I want to take with us the next time that we go out is a new little uh, toy that I'm playing with, and that's a lens baby. Nice. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of a lot of hacks out there on how to make some with uh, medium format lenses, and you know, I'd actually bid on one on eBay and ended up losing the auction. Well, tell us what a lens baby is, Ed. Well, what lens baby does it's a it's a small little uh, lens that kind of has like a it looks like a little spring that's in the middle of it, and it, what it does is it imitates the like a view camera technique where you take your focal plane 
and shift it so that your focal plane is not parallel to your film plane. So you can get some very interesting effects where you, like if you were shooting a picture of a person, like maybe you can get their eyes in focus, but then like from their nose downward would start to blur out as though it was farther away in depth. Oh, cool. So it's like you can isolate things by tilting the lens. Right. And you can get some really, really cool effects. It's it's really, um, it's kind of like a manual on steroids. <laughs> because if you, I, someone was asking about how to, you know, how it was using it. And I was like, well, I don't know that I could duplicate this shot, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's really great. And they're pretty cheap. They're like, they're only $150. Oh, it's not too bad. And they come, you know, with the different mounts. Like, mine's a Canon mount, but they do make them for Nikon F mount. Great. And um, the, it's a pretty cool little thing. It's it, it surprised me when I first yanked it out of the package because it had, I guess I shouldn't say yank. When <laughs> I took it out of the bag, um, I was expecting, you know, a lens cap type of thing. But the lens cap is threaded, and it's like machined aluminum. Oh, wow. That's very cool. You've got a couple pictures on your Flickr feed uh, that you've taken with that as well, right? Yeah, and if if they're not in the, in the light source pool already, I'll be sure to drop one in before the show goes out. Great, check that out. And uh, let's, I've been working with iView Media Three Pro, and um, really getting to like that, and kind of trying to go a little bit further on uh, the whole digital asset management. I think that's going to be my big focus this year, and probably my um, be my area of expertise, I guess. Oh, cool. So, how do you are you liking iView Media? I am. It's really cool. There's. It seems like it had. Well, it's definitely got a lot more power than Adobe Photoshop Album had. And there's a lot of scripting that's built into it, and a lot of different things that you can do. Like I hope on um, automating my process for doing slideshow pro galleries on edhidden.com. Okay. Um, I hope to automate that process a bit more. So I'm. I'm really excited to get in. Get deep into it and see what I can get out of the program. Great. You have to keep us in the loop. Yeah. And. Um, well, hopefully I'll learn a little bit more in Miami because I'm going to be at the Photoshop World Expo in Miami next week. I believe it is, it's like March 21st to the 24th is when I'll be in Miami. So if you're at the show, swing on by and uh, the iStock photo booth and say hi. That is awesome. Um, yeah, check out the album art so you know which guy to look for while you're there. <laughs> you're taking your camera, no doubt. Oh, of course. <laughs> I yeah, it's gonna be Miami. It's gonna be sunny. I, I, watch me see it and it rain all time. Yeah, it'll rain. I'm I'm <laughs> jealous though. No matter what, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, well, the, my point of saying that was uh, one of the seminars that I hope to attend when we don't have uh, you know the show floor to to maintain is uh, Peter Crow, who just wrote the book called the DAM book, which is about digital asset management, and he's going to be giving a seminar on Ivy Media. Oh, great. So hopefully I'll uh, learn a, a lot more tips to kind of like flush out my knowledge of it. That'll be cool. Look forward to talking to you when you get back. Yeah. Well, hey, this interview is about 27 minutes long, and Joseph's got an awful lot of really cool things to say. I think profound at points in the interview almost. So uh, let's get to it. <laughs> let's get on with the interview. Uh, we're talking tonight with Joseph Cartwright. Joseph is a very established New York City fashion photographer, and Joseph's going to tell us a little bit about his work and the types of clients that he deals with. So welcome to the show, Joseph. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started in fashion photography? Um, I started quite late in, in my years in photography. It took um, I didn't start till I guess, mid-2000s. 
30s, uh, upper 30s actually, 35, 36. So it was quite a, a late transition for for an art career. But wow. I started because um, I just needed a a creative release. Um, I was in the creative field for years and, and a geek at one point in my life as well and did music for a long, long time. Um, and then all of that kind of came to a head for me and I realized that I was losing my mind and kind of the, the, the demons in my mind were getting too loud and I needed to kind of get a, a really creative release to, and I decided to kind of cull all of my um, previous experiences and, and, and education into something that I could be very technical but very creative all at the same time and, and photography seemed to kind of have that for me. I kind of sensed that it could be very challenging technically but also challenging creatively so it was an opportunity to meld those kind of two facets. So, and, um, and segued into fashion because I felt that, um, I wanted to get into something that was moving quickly. I, uh, when I first started, I realized that what I was looking for was just an immediate release, a creative release, and, it's, and fashion definitely is that. Fashion is, you know, fashion is so five minutes ago. Right. So. <laughs> so, yeah. so now, do you mostly do all of your shoots there in New York City at your studio, or do you travel around a bit? No, we we travel. Um, we travel uh, extensively, depending on what the client needs and, and what the shoot is for. But nowadays, I'm doing a lot of beauty, which you know, beauty is hard to kind of define. But think of cosmetics, perfumes, um, and that kind of stuff. Um, and then. Uh, for the fashion stuff, it depends. If it's a if it's a catalog shoot on location, it could be travel. It could be travel to a warm location during the the, the winter months for us here. It could be a, a client that that requires us to shoot at their in their environment or in their state. Uh, we were in California not too long ago for a two week shoot. Um, for it was a um, pharmaceutical company. It just we needed a certain environment, hmm. a certain look that could only be provided on the West Coast. So yeah, we do travel. But um, a, a large portion of what we do is in studio in New York. I've seen some some of your articles that you've uh, been interviewed in before. Could you describe your your studio for our for our audience? Yes, um, our studio um, is um, a facility that was owned by John Lennon, uh, John Lennon, the artist, and it was the old um, John Lennon recording studio back in the sixties and seventies. We took that space over, we took that space over, I don't know, um, well, we had that space for about 12 years. Actually, we closed it just about a year ago, believe it or not, a little less than a year ago. Uh, but we had that space for about 12 to 13 years. And, and it consisted of two uh, full-fledged recording studios, uh, a small video suite, and a full photography studio. Right? And New, for New York, our photography studio was quite unique because it had a 25-foot ceiling. Wow. And 25-foot ceilings in New York are just impossible to come up. Yeah, really? I imagine. And we were on the top floor. Oh, wow. So, yeah, on the top floor of 14-story building. So it was beautiful. And we owned the, we also had the entire roof deck, which, is, which was about 10,000 square feet. Wow. But that was another reason why we decided to take this time to let it go is because we had the amount of space we had just didn't make sense after a while. Yeah. <clears throat> but it was a it was a fabulous facility. It sounds like it. Yeah. Now you work primarily with digital equipment? I would say about ninety five percent of what we shoot is digital. 
all high-end digital because of our client base requires that, but it's certainly all digital. Okay. So digital backs, mostly. Great. I was I was going to ask you to define high-end digital. Digital backs, predominantly. So medium format digital backs. What is it like doing fashion? I mean, uh, this is the first chance we've got to, to bring a fashion photographer, especially one of your caliber, onto the show. Or what are some of the challenges in, in your specific type of photography? Um, the, the interesting thing about uh, doing fashion is that it, it's constantly moving. It's obviously, it's, it's a very seasonal um, product. And you try to... The, the trick with fashion is, is that you want to be very different but you don't want to be you don't want to be so different that you're way out there and, and you don't call the attention to to the product that you're trying to sell, creating advertising for or a catalog or a lookbook or a style book or right. what have you. But you want to have enough flair and enough style to it that that is appealing to people because obviously not particularly nowadays we're we're inundated with images right. and it's very difficult to make it stand out and and that's the real challenge is that it, you you can't build any visual loyalty because it moves so quickly. So you have to, everything has to stand on its own. So you have to be very creative in order to make that happen. As opposed to, yeah, as opposed to beauty, which is what I meant by, by uh, uh, visual loyalty. Uh, a beauty campaign, you can, you, you have a, a longer period to build on the premise of the image or, or the campaign or the style. So it's not just a season. It, it could be like, you know, more than. Absolutely. Yeah, for example, a perfume. You know, uh, some people use a perfume for decades, right? Right, and it's an identity process for them, and an identity, an identity item for them, and 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 you build on that. It's difficult to do that with fashion. What about working with clients? How do the how does the client's vision kind of come into things? Or I mean, do you have a lot of freedom, or is it a combination? That's an interesting question. It really depends on the client. It truly, truly depends on the client. Some clients will come to you with an entire storyboard, and they want you to create an image out of their storyboard. Frankly, if you could photograph their storyboard, they'd be happy. (laughs) (laughs) And then some clients will come to you and say, you know, this season is all about red. Um, You know, this is my style, and the season is red, and come back. Uh, just today, as a matter of fact, I've um, received, it just happened to be a beauty campaign. Someone, they give me a kind of a, 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 a description of what the product line is all about and what image and feel they're going to, they want to try to get across and they just come back with something for us and, and we'll take it from there. And which is nice because you get, you have an opportunity to mold or remold a product. Yeah, this probably sound like very fun projects to work on. Yeah, it can be. It can be very frustrating at times. <laughs> now, now you've mentioned beauty and fashion. Are there like a bunch of different subgenres of of what's typically considered fashion photography? Um, yes, they are. Well, fashion. We could break it down into into there are many different and and within each of those uh, genres, if you will, are are different tiers. Um, fashion photography kind of encompasses many different. Uh, types of, of photography. For example, catalog photography is, is radically different than, than commercial photography, and commercial photography is radically different than advertising photography. And uh, to someone standing outside of all of this, it, it all seems like the same thing. It's photography. It's photography you shoot. Mm-hmm. For but in reality, they're, they're quite different. And the budgets are different. The requirements are different. The staffing is different. 
the purpose is, is different. For example, um, a, a large campaign, a fashion campaign or a beauty campaign that, that's going to um, print in Vogue, a, a Vogue page, could be $50,000. Wow. Right? right? So that's very different. And the requirement to fill that page from a resource standpoint, meaning photography, people, staff, uh, the whole process of making that all happen is very different than if you're putting together a, a lookbook or a catalog. Okay. Because the costs are different, the view is different, the eyeballs are different, the people that are looking at it are different, and, and, and the return from them and the expected return from that investment is different, and therefore the investment that they make into the talent is different. I guess what I hear you saying, would it be maybe an example that you may use a different uh, staff for like photo, like catalog work, for example, maybe models uh, that are, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and so for a catalog model is a certain rate per day and an advertising model is a very different rate per day. And, and, you know, and, and we classify them as working girls, which type of, what level of working girl do, girl do we need or guy do we need for a specific um, job, project. If it's, a, if it's a big campaign, then we naturally will gravitate to the more expensive working girls because we, for many reasons. One is that we know that they have the experience to deliver the, the feel and look that we want. We're not interested in just hiring a, a beautiful model. There, there, there's a whole understanding of knowing what to do on set and, and what the feeling is and what the vibe is and what the set is, what the interaction is all about and what we're trying to get across with the product, that is that needs to come across in the shoot because if it doesn't, then we all fail. Okay, right. So you hire different people at different levels, if you will, and, and that includes us. You know, That includes us as photographers. You know, we, depending on your skill level and, and depending on what you have to back up your skill level with, you you're hired for certain types of jobs in the fashion world, in the beauty world, and you know, and same same thing is true about different genres as well. You know, product photographer, even wedding photographers, as simple as it might seem. That makes sense. You know? With all these different sub sub genres of of fashion, how do you approach lighting for each of those those different ones? Well, um, let's let's take a um, a catalog shoot. For example, catalog shoots have a have a very specific need, and it's really all about the product. Um, the model is just a hanger, if you will. <laughs> okay. um, and and you know she's going to give you an element of style and feel, and hopefully connect with the viewer of the catalog. But at the end of the day, it's really about the product. It's about the product that's hanging on her, and you light for the product. Not for the model, not for the mood, and not 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 to attract someone's you know attention towards how great overall the image looks. What you want to do is make sure that when someone's looking at this image, they can clearly see and feel the fabric, the the cut, the style of the product, as opposed to when you're creating an advertising campaign, be it fashion or beauty. It's usually what you're trying to get across is an essence, not necessarily the product. You could feel this way, you could look this way, you can, you know, um, only if you wore this, you know, manufacturer's product, you'd, you'd be this glorious or this fabulous. So it's more about feel, and you try to get that 
across with lighting and stands and environment as opposed to just the product itself. So it's a completely different idea and concept of lighting because you you you, you want to tell a story with the light. Wow. So in 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 the catalog world, for example, you might have a great image. I mean, it just looks amazing and everything is right, but if it isn't showing the details of the of the outfit, it's, it's no good. It's gone. Wow. Yeah, it, it's gone. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it, and and it's tough call sometimes because you're standing there, you're sitting there, and the photographer going, "Wow, that's a really great image," but you know the belt is not in the right oh, place. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, do those in- images end up in a B-roll somewhere that they find some other sort of life? Uh, no, they usually end up in the trash. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, in, in, well, in the, in the digital trash, of course, um, because they, they, have, they serve no purpose. Wow. Because if we were going to show them as a catalog portfolio, then we want the belt to be in the right place, too. Right. That's true. So. Do, do these shoots tend to have a lot more frames taken because of this kind of thing? Well, um, it, it used to be that in the film world, we took a lot more frames, actually. Okay. Because um, as, as I liken it, or really kind of talk about what happens in, in, in a true digital capture environment in a studio, the set never really goes cold anymore. When we were shooting film, what, what happened is, is that uh, we set up a set um, uh, grab the Polaroid camera uh, or put a Polaroid back on the camera and take a shot, see how it feels, get the model on it, you know, take a shot, get an overall sense of where, what direction we want to go, and then we pull out the Polaroid, we wait a minute, minute and a half, two minutes, and then we gather the entire group around the Polaroid that's, you know, two by three, right. and discuss what's going on. Now, at this point, of course, the model is cold. Oh, okay. And she's out of position, she's out of style, she's completely, she's played with her hair, she's biting on her fingernails, you know, all these things are happening at this point. And and we're discussing all of this, and now the stylist has got to do something with the clothing, the hair person's got to do something with the hair, blah, 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 all this continues, but the set is really cold. And so what happens is, because you realize that, that, that the set, the moment you stop for any reason, turns cold, you wind up taking many more shots, just safety. To get back where you were. And... Yeah, Absolutely. In, in the digital world, what happens is, is, is there's that immediate feedback. Um, and what we like to do when we're shooting, particularly a catalog or an advertising campaign, is have multiple visual outputs. Mm. One, of course, at the capture station, maybe a, a TV or a large, a large LCD is, is, is connected up to the computer so that the entire staff can see the image as it comes up so that there's a problem we can where. Sometimes we're talking, but without actually saying words. Wow. Just because, just because we know what needs to happen, because we can see it, we can feed on each other, and it happens quickly. And when that happens, you need to take less shots. Sure. That makes sense. Wow. And then when you get the shot, I guess a lot of energy would be flying around the room as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, once you get that great shot, you know that you can, or, or that you know that you're getting there. You know, because what happens is, that's the nice thing about shooting in that environment, is that Everybody can see it, can feel that it's really getting close. That, that, mm. you know, and, and think about fashion in particular. It's, it's, all of it is by chance. Really, at the end of the day, all of it is by chance because the difference between a really great shot and a mediocre shot could be that the model just moved her head a quarter of an inch. <laughs> right. 
right? So it's just, and then her head's got to be in the right place, the clothing's got to be in the right place, the lighting's got to hit her right, you know, she's got to have the right smile, the right feel, wow. the, the photographer has to be at the right angle, you know, so many things need to happen, the, the wind machine needs to hit her at the right time, all this has to, all these variables have to kind of just line up, right? So it's a lot of it is by chance, if you will. And, but, you know, you know, a prepared mind, you sure. know, favorite chance right so <laughs> that's, that's, that's why you know that's why the pros get hired because they know that you're more likely a chance of getting that shot so you could you could put um like an amateur photographer in the same high-tech environment and not get anywhere close i imagine it's all it probably has yeah, a lot to do with yes it has to do with 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 that with being able to to work out the details to get to you know to put yourself in a position to be able to get the shot how much of it is instinct, Joseph? A lot of it is instinct, actually. And a lot of it, what it really is, is the, is, is the willingness to fail. Okay. It really is that. It really is, you know, I, I'm going to try this. Chances are it's just going to be, it's just going to just be blocked. <laughs> but I just don't know. I feel that I want to go this way. And you've got to have enough faith in, in your ability to direct something, even if it fails, because, first of all, the failure is a lesson. Sure. And if you don't fail, that means you succeeded in getting what you went for. So, you know, art is really good, really about a, a sense of, you know, dealing with failure because you really, you really don't learn until you actually make those mistakes, if you want to call them mistakes. To me, they're lessons. Sometimes the client doesn't think so, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a different situation. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, that's really great advice. <laughs> I'm definitely quoting that one. I like that. To be daring enough to fail. It's actually a very interesting uh, perspective on digital. I mean, I'm so used to hearing people saying that, you know, ah, oh, it's digital. You, you just shoot more and then throw out, you know, less. Or you throw out more so you have the good stuff. But it's really an interesting perspective hearing how digital actually helps you shoot less and keep the action flowing. Speaking of digital, um, can you talk a little bit about your workflow? Sure. Um, as far as equipment, um, predominantly uh, phase one digital backs. Uh, that's and we've been shooting with. I mean, I, I bought the second one off the assembly line, literally. Oh wow, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's knew, amazing! I knew that I was going digital. There was just no question. There was just no question for me that I was going digital. So I've been doing it for a long, long, long time. Um, in relative terms, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it, it, so it's it, it's about. Um, being able to to make use of the technology as opposed to and, and you know it, it, it's a problem because the technology makes use of you as well these days because it just wraps you up there's, there's so many things that you need to do in, um, in order to shoot digitally you know prior to shooting digital you 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 know dropped your film off at the lab you got it back and pretty much your job was done right? you delivered your film to your client and and you go home and you send them an invoice. Nowadays, you know, our post-production time has really grown. Um, and and hmm. what, what happened is, is that prior, what we slated was one day of post-production in the film day. We slated one day of post-production for two days of shooting. Nowadays, it's almost completely reversed. Wow. Yeah. Which is shocking. That is. Yeah. Which is sh really, really shocking. And it's a lot more preparation to set up a shoot and a lot more production to finish the shoot, which is so 
workflow is really important to us. It's, it's really, really important to get our mechanism of capturing the image, getting it ready, prepping it, and, and kind of disseminating the image to the client as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Because if we don't do that, we will be bogged down with images, with phone calls, with clients, with problems. So what we try to do is, is, is to develop a clean, efficient workflow. Um, and, and the best workflow to do that in, from a capture perspective, is a software program that allows you to actually make good, intelligent decisions about your images and a good way of getting your images captured and out of a capture session to your client. It really depends on how, what you're shooting, what you're doing. We predominantly use Capture One software. It is just spectacular. It's a great, it's a great, great program. Um, it allows you to easily view images. It allows you to easily capture images, to develop them, to break them down into folders, to, to assign the appropriate color spaces for your client, and then to just process them and dump them on DVDs or drives for your clients, and hopefully you can have a life. that's really what it's becoming all about then right there Uh, would you say then it's kind of a wash in terms of effort for from from concept to completion for between film and digital in terms of just the hours put into it and the effort pretty much and i would tend to think honestly that probably more time is spent on digital than, than we spent on film which which is okay. I'm okay with that, only because the return for that is worth the investment. I, I, I'm, I'm producing much better work because of my digital workflow, and I'm okay with that. You know, it's, it's a good investment. So, Joseph, what advice do you have for um, beginning photographers that decide that think they want to go into the fashion route? And Bill, didn't we have a, a comment that came in through the email about someone that was interested in getting into fashion photography? Yeah, we do. We have people that are very interested. So, um, it, it, yes, a couple of comments about someone that's just starting out. Um, my, my first comment would be is to torture your friends. <laughs> <laughs> really, I, I truly do mean that because the problem with fashion photography is that um, in order for you to get models and to get people to work with you, you have to show them something that's worth their time. So, i.e., modeling agencies, makeup, hair people. Um, they, they don't want to work with you unless they feel as though that you're going to provide an image that they can use, right? Assuming that you're asking them to work for you what's called a test. What test basically means is that we as a, as a collective creative feel that we are at a place where we have the creative potential to, cre- to create good images, but we, we don't have the wherewithal to get to the next level. So collectively, we'll get together and create great images so that we can all rise to the occasion. So a test, basically you go out to a model and to a makeup person, to a hair person, and say, I have this idea. As a photographer, you go to them and say, I have this idea. Um, I've got a bunch of people that want to work on this. Can we work on this together? And then we'd all get great images out of this so that we can put in our portfolio. Okay. To get to that step, you still have to have something to show these people. And the only way that you're going to get there is if, is if you take advantage of your immediate resources. And, and those are your friends. You know, your good-looking female friends, your good-looking male friends, uh, people that, that like to do makeup, people that like to do hair. Get them involved. Get them in to, to kind of do mock-up shoots because where you want to fail and where you want to have those hard lessons is, is in that environment. 
right? And then you want to take all that you've learned and these what will turn out to be, uh, you know, somewhat mediocre images because you you don't have the foundation from a resource standpoint to create great images, but it's a good foundation to, to so that you start to learn the process. That's great advice. Now, what about this this little nuance? There's you know a lot of these the people that will be here in this show might be working out of their basement or their garage. What what about geographic location? Is that a big deal in today's industry? Do you need to be in the major urban centers? Or? Well, for to create images, to create great images, no. To be able to sell great images, probably yes. Okay. But to create great images, no, absolutely not. Your job as a photographer is to see what is really sublime, what is really simple, and make great art out of it. But that's really your job. And you have to think of the world not as your vision sees it, which is this great expanse, because that's not what the camera sees. The camera sees right. a very selective area. And because it sees that very selective area, the whole world is radically different. So anything works. You just have to put the right eye to it. <laughs> Putting the right eye. See, I always use my left. <laughs> that's that's your problem. <laughs> well, should we uh, lead into some of our rapid fire questions here? Yeah, we have a we have a bit of a tradition on the show, Joseph. If you don't mind playing along, we like to a- ask some rapid fire questions and and just get some quick answers from you. Just sort of a little bit of fun. All right, we'll start off with the easy one that we already know the answer to: digital or film. Digital. Okay, how about um, your favorite subject to shoot? Uh, beauty. Okay. Uh, favorite magazine? TDN, believe it or not. Okay, what's your favorite uh, lighting modifier? Uh, a silk. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, favorite focal length? Favorite focal length, that's interesting. Um, I would have to say 120 on a medium format. On medium format, okay. How about jazz or rock? Uh, jazz. Oh, no, rock, no, everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything. What's your dream assignment? Uh, dream assignment is to have a client call you up and say, um, uh, do what you want to do. This is, this is the field that I'm looking for and call me, you know, call me when you're delivering me the final proof. Great. Yeah, so that, that way they're hiring you for your vision and not for your production. We really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us tonight, uh, Joseph. My pleasure. Our, our listeners really enjoy hearing what you have to say. I think that you've made some really profound statements tonight. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. I, there's one that I'm I'm going to sketch it. I'm going to get the audio, and I'm going to sketch it down in my book here, and is kind of finding that courage to fail. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for your time. And Thanks, thanks for calling, guys, and thanks for the chat. <laughs> That's all we have for this episode of Light Source, the brightest podcast on the internet. Be sure to check out the show notes at studiolighting.net for links to the things that we talked about on today's show. And there you'll also find links to our photography and kind of keep up on some of the stuff that we've been shooting. And don't forget you can send us questions or feedback about the show to studiolighting at gmail.com. And we'll either try to answer those questions on the show or on the forum in the lighting's question section. Or you can get feedback on your photos at our new Flickr group at www.flickr.com slash groups slash light source. Until next time, take care. <laughs> <laughs>